Welcome to the Loyal Locals Podcast. Tonight is a very special night. You are witnessing the first ever live episode of the Loyal Locals Podcast. And it's also a member's happy hour. So welcome to everybody watching us right now. My name is Jerry Jimenez. You know me. Let's bring on the other guys, shall we? I am joined, of course, by Mr. Drew Steck. What's going on, man? Oh, no. He's gone. We're already having problems. Oh, there he is. What's up, man? I don't know what he's doing. Steven, what's going on, man? I hope I'm working. You are working. I don't know what Drew's doing, but he's in a beautiful-looking suit. Look at this, man. I know. It's like men in black over there. He's taking it seriously, man. He's taking it very seriously. We still can't hear you, though, Drew. You better fix that fast. We all talked about this. Uh, we talked about uh, buying suits for this episode, and I'm the only one who did it. It is too hot right now, man. I'm in Spring Valley. There's no way I'm going to be putting on a suit. I'm sorry. All right? I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. We're in the middle of a financial crisis here. This is Whatever. unprecedented. This is terrible. Yet I went out and spent $1,500 on a suit because we all agreed on it. Man, I started drinking so. before this because I knew you were going to... Well, now I'm going year. to have to. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome everybody that's listening. Today's a very special night. Again, this is the first ever live episode. So, of course, we're going to have some problems. Thank you for joining us. Uh, it's going to be a fun night. We're going to get to hang out. Maybe we ha- might have a guest. I don't know. Actually, we do. Um, let's, just, let's just jump in and get this going right now. Yeah. We are joined by a very, very important person in our lives, in the life of this podcast, by the way. He was the first ever guest. Just randomly, we called him, and he picked up the phone and was like, what's up, guys? And we actually got to talk to him, so guess what? Bringing it full circle to the end this first season of the podcast, Mr. Landon Donovan. What's going on, sir? What's going on, guys? Dude, we are so, so happy to have you right now. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Do you like my headset? It's Perfect. awesome. I did like a, um, a Rocket League thing earlier in the year. I don't know if you guys remember that. And they were like so freaked out that it wasn't going to go well with the audio and all that. They sent me a camera, a headset. So now I have like a legit gaming headset, even though I haven't played games in like six years. That's incredible. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, I think it goes without saying for everybody that is listening right now, this is not about us. This is about this is about you, which means we need you. We want you to ask questions. Start sending questions right now, whether you're watching on Facebook, on YouTube, on Periscope. Start sending questions. We're going to start saving those. First, we get to talk to him, and then you guys get to talk to him. And so if it's a really good question, I'm going to try my best to only ask the good ones. There's no such thing as... A dumb question, but if we open it up to everybody, maybe there's going to be some. So please be nice, be kind to everybody that's on the chat right now. And again, thank you for uh, you guys for joining us. Uh, so let's just kind of start it off. We're going to be first and foremost talking today about the season, how the first season went, Landon, how you feel about it. And then we're going to be looking forward, right? That's all we have now is to look forward into the coming season. We always do something at the beginning of our podcast, so of course we're gonna go ahead and toast to you. Are you are you drinking anything? Are you joining us? I got three young kids. Of course I'm drinking. Ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. I have one, and I am. 
I have, I have <laughs> exactly. I have two. Just wait, dude. <laughs> I, I know. Two, I know. So I'm halfway there to three. All right. <laughs> I'm having a, a Carlsbad Crush Mosaic nice. KOL. Mm. Uh, compliments on Mr. Stephen Brokoff, who lost a bet. Uh, go yep. Dodgers. Go Dodgers. All right. <laughs> Cheers. What do you guys? What do you guys? Tequila. Oh, Cheers, tequila? Guys. There we go. Tequila. Cheers. This is uh, whiskey. Keeping it clean. Mm. Oh. Cheers, everybody. Oh, yeah. Shot. Wow. Like I said, oh, yeah. this is happy hour. So hopefully everybody that's listening that is of age is drinking along with us. Have some beers. Enjoy. It's a Wednesday. Yeah. I mean. Might as well be Powerade. A Wednesday. Sure. Why not? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so let's get it going. So this season, I mean, the understatement of the century, right? Not quite what we were expecting. Not quite what you were expecting. I'm sure we went into, actually, I listened to episode two, which is where you came on. Feel free to listen to everybody listening. Um, and we said, you know, what are you looking forward to? And one of them, of course, was March 7th. I mean, that that was kind of our season. And then all hell broke loose and we know what happened. Uh, tell us maybe, you know, going into the season, how do you feel now looking back your expectations of it and recap it for us in, you know, how you kind of saw this season? Um. Well, first, it was heartbreaking for me because I've gotten to know quite a few of you over the last few years, and I know how long you've been waiting to have something like this. We have an amazing opening game, not so much on the field, but off the field, and then all of a sudden, it's just ripped out of your hands. And so, it was honestly, it was heartbreaking for me because this is what San Diego has waited for for so long. And to have it gone after one game was was horrible. Um, I've reached out to a lot of former teammates who are now coaches, former coaches who are still coaches. And uh, basically, I just had one thing to, to ask them, which is like, is this is this normal? <laughs> is this a normal season to go through? Because if so, I'm not sure how many years I'm going to last doing this. It was up and down in every way. Uh, but in the end, I think... I'm extremely proud of the organization we're building, the club we're building, um, the atmosphere and environment and fan base we're building, and then really proud of our players. I thought in the end um, we were, in my opinion, probably one of the best three teams in the league the last five five games of the season, and it would have been really fun to get to the playoffs and make a run, but uh, we'll have to save that for next year. Awesome. Steven. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, definitely. And even if you think about the normal, if this was a normal season, Western conference, we were definitely top eight. We would have squeaked in and, you know, regardless of the last two weeks, um, the, on, as far as the table goes. So yeah, we would have made the playoffs and gotten in that way. And gosh, we were looking good at the end of the season. Made quite the run. You know, they've said it all along in sports. You just got to make the playoffs with momentum and you never know what else is going to happen. Yeah. It's a tricky, um, it was a tricky season to navigate first because I had like almost no clue what I was doing, right? And then you get all this stuff thrown at you. Um, in the end, we got to a place where I think you guys saw a little bit before the three-game losing streak and then certainly a few games after that, we were starting to hit our stride, but we weren't scoring goals, right? And that was the biggest problem. Yeah. And then we added Guido, we added Rubio, we added Miguel Berry, and then the goals started coming. So now you saw all the good play, 
and then the final product, scoring the goals, and then we were just battering teams. I mean, we battered the Galaxy away. We battered Orange County at home. Um, we just we battered Phoenix away. We battered the Galaxy away, even though they tied in the last minute. And then we battered Phoenix at home the last game of the season. So it was actually really fun to just sit back and see it all come to fruition. Um, and that's why it was a bummer that, that the season ended the way it did. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, bummed in a way, but also, like you said, pride. And I, I mean, as the president of the supporters group, I also couldn't be more proud of the club's reaction um, to have worked so hard to build up to that March 7th date for that one season. I'm sorry, that one game to kind of have those moments to always think back on all season. Um, every time I saw the TIFO intersection, I remember those moments um, and can't wait to get back there. But also working so hard for a club that stand, stands by what they you know, believe in. And we'll get to that later, but I think that it's important to touch on in the beginning too. Um, so maybe to knock some of the tactical stuff out of the way, um, I'm going to kind of pat my back here and say, like the game before you guys switch from a three-five-two, I was on this podcast and I said, I think the club should switch to a four-four-two. I think a four-back would work much better. So, you want to kind of talk through that tactical shift and you know give me credit here. <laughs> he he wants to know when he's right. gonna he's gonna be announced as a, an assistant coach. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if you want, I can get really in the weeds. I usually don't do this, do but I, I feel like you guys yeah. like this. So do it. Um, yes, we do. So the value of of having a back three is that it's really really hard to defend um it's really hard to defend first of all most teams don't see a back three and they don't see a three five two so it's really hard for them to defend especially in the width uh so at that time of the season it might have been elijah on the left and jack metcalf on the right uh, and that we were having tremendous success right like we were we were really dominating games and valuing uh possession in a real way and then just pinning teams in their end but the problem was we weren't scoring the counter to that is most teams play with three strikers so the risk is when you have three in the back you're playing 1v1 and in a normal season with all due respect to teams like portland uh tacoma rio grande valley uh, that's not a big issue right? Because you can deal with 3v3. The problem is we were playing Orange County, the Galaxy, Phoenix, and even Vegas, who have a bunch of talented attacking players. So we were getting punished uh, every time, not every time, but a lot of times the ball turned over and in transition, we were getting punished. So what we decided to do was we, we see the value in building and having the ball in a 3-5-2. And, and we kept that. Um, but we, we, we shifted to a back four defensively. So we were quite flexible. And honestly, I didn't expect this group to be able to get there as quickly as they did, but they figured it out quite quickly. And uh, when we were defending, we moved into a back four and that helped us a lot. But we did, we wanted to keep the attacking piece of, of the 3-5-2 because we were really hurting teams when we had the ball. So, so we made that adjustment. Yeah, I mean, I think it worked just like, I mean, like you said, part of it was, you know, signing Guido, signing those guys. But I also think it's, you know, that shift to the back four, I think it just, I think it worked really well. Yeah, um, just simplified. Shifted. Yeah, it simplified things for our back four, right? Because the right back dealt with their left winger, our left back would deal with their right winger, and then our two center backs had one job, and that was just to control their center striker. And in, in, our, in our division, think about the strikers they do. So Augustine Williams from the Galaxy, who's a, a, a young stud. Um, Akoli from Orange County, really good. Yeah, buddy. Hold on one sec, guys. Sorry, my son's asking me a question. This is yeah, real life. 
He's asking about uh, yeah four four twos as well. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He's asking about four bottles of milk, and four times he hit his brother. Say hi, Slady. Hi. Say hi. Hey, buddy. What's up? Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, and then, uh, and then Dadashoff, obviously from Phoenix, right? And then even with uh, Las Vegas when they were playing Dolly there. Uh, or they played the fishnet guy at the end. I mean, they were dealing with real strikers, so it was a good, um, it was a good challenge for our guys, and I thought they dealt with it really well. So I, uh, it was, it, it worked out really well for us, and I was, I was happy the way they adjusted. Yeah, it's fantastic. I, I think that it really goes to show that you had the right system, kind of with the players that you had, and, and the idea going forward. It was just kind of needing some pieces to fit in, right, to the puzzle that you had concocted, and seeing where different um, edges were. Right, sometimes you have to feel out the edges and see how they click. Uh, you mentioned some of the the outstanding stars of the team were uh, at the end of the season uh, that we brought in, right? The uh, kind of with Guido and Barry. Uh, and and uh, Tarek as well, um, just kind of having certain people come in and plug holes. Uh, what, why did you go after this, those specific players, I guess? What was your uh, insider-specific uh, look for players, or were you just saying, what's the top players we can get, or was there, again, kind of an archetype to, again, fit that puzzle? As I was saying? Yeah, they were all different scenarios. So Tarek was a free player. He had gone, I believe, to Ireland pre-COVID, February, to go on trial with a team and was going to be signed and then COVID hit. So he came back home and he was just without a club for whatever, five or six months. And so it was, uh, it was a situation where his agent reached out and we said, okay, we'll bring him in. We'll look at him for a week or two and let you know. And then he was, he, uh, he just fit in really, really nicely. So that was really nice. And then with Rubio, um, Ricardo Campos, who you guys know, knows his agent quite well and, and had realized that he wasn't playing and he had been home also for six months um, since he was at, on break from Dorados. So it was uh, that one kind of just fell into our laps quickly. He needed a place to play. We needed some, some talent in the offensive end. And so it worked out really well. Miguel, I reached out to Columbus and just noticed that he hadn't been playing. He's a guy we had talked to them about in preseason. They trained here in Chula Vista in preseason. And we said, if at any point he's not playing and you want to get him games, please send him our way because he makes a lot of sense. I had seen him play live last year at USD. And so it was a guy we had our eye on, and that worked out well. And then Kenny Arena from LAFC reached out and just said, hey, do you have any interest in Guido? And I said, gee, let me think. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it just, it, it was a perfect scenario in all four cases. And it really, I think, took us over the edge. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yes, it, it was so about, excellent. So Sorry, what about like, um, so I'll pour my beer. It's been mentioned a couple times in, in kind of in passing and like quick interviews, but could you elaborate kind of on the process of like Phoenix getting thrown in the group last minute? Um, kind of what happened with that? Because, you know, just could you talk about that a little more? Sure. So the the league, as they're putting together the groups, they wanted as little travel as possible, right? So they want to minimize flying as much as possible for obvious, obvious COVID reasons. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, they wanted to minimize cost as much as possible. So at first it was Monarchs who were going to be in our group. And then at the last minute they put Phoenix in uh, just because it was less travel. And, uh, I said, thanks a lot for that one. Um, yeah. 
I think it would have been a different season if we had Monarchs three times instead of Phoenix, but you know, Even that's okay. They were, the, they were the champions last year, right? But you guys still came out yeah, that first but they were, they were, Yeah, they were a shell of the team they were last yeah. year. They had a bunch of different players. And so they, as, as you saw in their group, they were, they were quite poor. So it would have been a, a little easier for us. But I do say, um, in the end, I would much rather go through the battles with Phoenix because we learned a lot about our guys. We didn't know... If, you know, when you're making decisions on who to keep and who not to keep, I'd rather have them play against Phoenix a few times than play against Monarchs. Yeah, buddy? Why? <laughs> okay, buddy. All right. Sorry, guys. No, nothing to be sorry about. We're, you know, two out of three here are parents actually three out of four i should say our parents we like to say we're a family show but we swear yeah we do swear so maybe just, uh, make sure we're careful with that uh okay so kind of to bring it back to you know the first season and kind of encompassing everything maybe give us one regret that you had during the season and one surprise positive surprise that you had this season something that was like wow, I can't believe this happened, and dang, I can't believe this happened. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, good question. Uh, my one regret was I made quite a few mistakes on signings. And not that they weren't good players, not that they weren't good people or good for the club. Um, I just, one, signed too many players. And two, there were too many guys who just didn't get a chance because we couldn't give him a chance, right? In a short season, when, especially in our in our division, where every point is a battle to get every point you get, um, I didn't have time to give guys like Ashley Nazira a bunch of minutes. I couldn't give Beverly Makangila a bunch of minutes, even though he deserved to play. You know, Suleiman Samora at the end was training really well, but I couldn't get him on the field. Yair Yayen was training really well, but I couldn't get him on the field. So that's probably my biggest regret is even for those guys' careers, it would have been better for them to go somewhere else and play a bunch of minutes. So if I'm thinking about doing what's right for them plus what's right for the club, that was that was a big mistake I made. Um, and then the biggest surprise was how quickly the guys took to San Diego, to the club, um, to the community. They, for whatever reason, I think maybe because there were a lot of San Diegans on our team, they really understood what it meant to play for this club, even though they never played a game for this club, right? So guys like Charlie Adams and Jack Metcalf and Colin Martin and Morgan Hackworth and Ben Spencer, um, along with the San Diego guys and, and a lot of others, they just got it. Like Grant Stoneman, like he understood what it meant to play for this city and how how they needed to perform um, in a different way they ever had before. And that was really enjoyable to watch because the culture by the end was incredible. And you saw it with what happened the last two weeks of the season, right? Like they just understood that this was a big deal and that this is a big club. And so I didn't expect that to happen that fast. And it's a big credit to those guys and their character. Yeah, absolutely. 
Steve, so, so talking about I'm not going to talk uh, over you, bro, like you've been doing to me. I'm sorry. I'm just going to go ahead and call you out. All right. You keep taking over. It's like you know Landon or something. Like you have him on speed dial. But go ahead. <laughs> just kidding, dude. I love you. No, um, but perfect transition into those past two weeks. So um, talking Ugh. about it now, jumping right in. Um, I, I, I'm so proud. I'm, I was so proud of the the reaction of the team, you know, up, in Alley, up at Alley Galaxy. Um I know you said that one of your regrets was you you didn't you know do something in the moment, and then obviously the next week, you guys followed that up with the biggest action I think I've seen I've ever seen any soccer club take in response to something happening on the pitch regarding homophobic or racial slurs. So I just want to say how proud I am of your guys's reaction, and I don't know if you want to talk about Thank kind you. of the process or anything there. Um, sure. Yeah. So first of all. Nobody wants to go through that. Okay, I just want to. Our team doesn't want to go through that. Their team doesn't want to go through that. Their players don't go, don't want to go through it. The referees don't want to go through it. The league doesn't want to go through it. Our front office. It's not fun for anybody. Um, that being said, there are I think moments in life where you realize. I certainly realize that this is uh, just a sport right? We all love it. We're all competitive. We put our heart and soul into it every day, but there are things that matter more. And the realization I had when the first incident happened with Elijah was that, you know, in some ways you could say, okay, it's just a kid who grew up in a rough part of, uh, I think, Texas on Taveros. And he just used a word that was part of his culture growing up. And it's not that big of a deal. And I understand that argument. The problem is, is I believe that your words dictate your actions, your actions dictate your behavior, and then your behavior turns into your beliefs, right? And so if you say things like that and you start then acting that way, you start to believe that, you know, that someone like Elijah deserves to be called that and it's not a big deal, but it is a big deal, right? It's a big deal to Elijah who told me during the week after that, you know, he said, it's not that big of a deal. I've been hearing that my whole life. And I said, no, Elijah, that's the problem, right? That's the problem. It is a big deal. So we had a really hard, like, four days where we didn't even know if we were going to play against Phoenix, to be honest, because our guys really felt bad that we didn't do something in the moment. We were a little perturbed that there wasn't more of a response from all the parties involved and publicly candidly like that nobody really thought it was that big of a deal and that was the point right that nobody really thought it was that big of a deal and so then when it happened the following week in a different way first of all i give tremendous credit to colin because colin was playing the best probably six soccer games of his career at that point he was dominating guys who are like perennial superstars in this league. I mean, he was, you know, dominating Kevon Lambert, who's one of the best number sixes in the league. Um, there, he was dominating their midfield again at home against us. And he had the, he had the uh, calmness in that moment to say something, even though he was competing, we were, we were kicking Phoenix's ass he felt good. The adrenaline was pumping, um, but he had the awareness to say something. And so I give him a ton of credit for that. In the end, there's no way we were going to go through that again. I just, I, I, 
there was no way. And our players at first wanted to keep playing, right? And I don't blame them for that because, again, they were, they were dominating one of the best teams in the league and it felt good. And you don't want to walk off the field when that's happening. You want to make it four or five or six one, right? So that was the first reaction. But after a few minutes, I think our guys started to realize and it started to sink in that like, we can't just allow this to happen because there are a lot of teams, a lot of players that don't have the ability to do what we did. And the reason we did is I spoke to Andrew and Warren at halftime and I explained to them what had happened. And they both looked at me, and I've heard this so many times from both of them. That's why I'm so grateful to, to be a manager at this club. They said, Landon, whatever you decide to do, we will support you. And I can't tell you how powerful that is in that moment, because I know a lot of owners would say, Landon, deal with it after the game. We're beating Phoenix. The playoffs are on the line. Go play. right?" And they just supported me. And then I could translate that to the players, and then the players could make a decision. And I'm really proud of them for, for doing what I feel was the right thing in that moment, which is if Junior Flemings wasn't off the pitch, either through a red card, through being subbed or taking himself off, then we weren't going to play. And I think everyone thought we were balking or bluffing, um, but we just said, okay, fine. If, if you're not going to do it, the only action we have, the only course of action is to not continue playing. You know, I think that, and I don't know if you listen to the podcast or not, but uh, feel free to go back and listen to kind of my statement when the the whole thing happened with Galaxy. It was it was super for me. It was super emotional because, as you said, you know, it was he mentioned the player that said what he said. The N word was, you know, I grew up around this. This was okay. And to me, you know, as a Chicano, as a Mexican American, I understand that, and it's not okay that we use that as an excuse, one and foremost. Secondly, when it happened again the following week, but now it wasn't, you know, a racist comment. Now it was homophobia. Like, what is going on here? So when you took the stand, I think the three of us and everybody watching today can tell you, and I think they will agree, that we were just so proud that you guys did what you did and you stood up. And I'm sure you've heard this a ton of times, but I just kind of want to say thank you on behalf of everybody for actually doing what you did rather than just talking the talk you walked the walk and you did what we all would have expected you guys to do and so you're representing san diego in such a way where i don't know why any player wouldn't want to come back right i mean like that's the kind of club you want to play for is one that stands by their word they say something and they do something it's not just about talking and it's it's actually doing something about it and i think you know i mean correct me if i'm wrong i think we're the only ones within uso that has done something like that and it i mean you saw it i i think we woke up the following day you guys were on like uh uh you know national television you were on good morning america and you know everywhere everywhere every time we turned on the radio you guys you guys were on talking about this and it's so important that we continue to do that so please Please know that we have your back and you are doing exactly what we would have done in your position and what we would want you guys to do. I think the first episode when you came on, we talked about this. We, you know, we want to represent you guys is what you said, right? Like it, this doesn't happen without you. And so you're representing us greatly. And, and it's just we're so proud 
Um, and with that being said, I'm going to pass it over to uh, Agent Drew Steck. Oh, he wasn't ready. <laughs> See, I'm a secret agent manning with my mic on, or mic uh, on mute. So, uh, yeah, just being quiet in the background here, nodding along. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, on that vein, Jerry, it really was something where we talked about it and what I said to the same effect, and I told Landon this uh, as well, is that when they chose the name Loyal, it was a uh, promise to the people, essentially, to say that we're going to be different than the other teams that have been here. It, it was a direct kind of correlation that most people are going to make with one particular team but really the, the idea was to be something that was ir irremovable from the city right and that was always the idea that they told us uh when they were kind of coming up with the idea of hey we're going to put a usl club here and we said you're crazy and they said well we're going to do it and we're like okay and they're like we're gonna name it we're like okay we'll name it something that's san diego and so naming it loyal was fantastic but um i told you this that i think it really was a promise kept from you guys um, during the last couple games here that made us feel like no matter what we do on the field, uh, this club stands for something more for the community. So thank you for that. Uh, and and I'll say to that effect, no, thank you. But uh, we had our first game, right? Going, dialing it back to March 7th since it feels like, like years ago. It feels like we've lived three seasons in a season. But um, to kind of put in perspective, since we're doing a recap here, the uh, March 7th game, we were in the locker room uh, laying down some letters and some scarves as a token for the players and the staff going onto the field. Uh, and one of our, our locals asked the question, John, I believe John Cross, right, Jerry? Yep. Yep. Steve, John. Mm -hmm. So yeah, John Cross asked, uh, so this is John's question. Prior to the March 7th game, locals left letters for each of the players in the locker room. What was the player reaction uh -huh. to those letters? <clears throat> yeah, so, um, well, first of all, what was the coaching staff reaction i remember walking in and uh shannon was in there carrie was in there nate was in there uh and nate in particular i could tell was just blown away right because he had he came from lansing and there was very strong support for that team um not big in numbers but like really proud strong support uh, but i don't think any of us well i know i hadn't um, had ever seen something like that, right? So back to my point about the players understanding what it means to represent this city, there were things along the way, and in this case, it was a big thing, that made them realize that this was more than soccer. Uh, this was more than just another team. This was, this was a city and a region they were representing, right? And you guys so eloquently uh, laid it out for them. Uh, what it means to be part of this club. And so when that happens and it's followed up by action after action after action, the way they see you guys in the fan in the stands that night, action after action along the way, the way you support them uh, in social media, et cetera, um, they realize that, that it's not just words, right? That it's more than that and that you guys actually mean it. So I thought that was as classy a gesture as you guys could make um, amongst many classy gestures you've made along the way. So it was deeply appreciated. Thank you so much and, for that. Yeah, that really means a lot to me and us as a, as a group. Um, and then kind of picking it back up from the um, post COVID break, your first home game, we kind of put that video together. I know Ricardo kind of took a pretty kick-ass video right behind you guys watching it, um, but obviously you can't really hear audio. Can you maybe elaborate on, there's a lot of people watching and a lot of our viewers and members contributed to that. So you want to talk about what the reaction to that was and, and kind of what that meant to you guys as a, as a team? 
Yeah, Ricardo asked me that week if I wanted to see it uh, beforehand. Yeah. And I said, no, I don't think so. I think I just want to see it when we get there. And shout um, to John Cross again for putting that together. Last minute, everything. Huge yeah, shout to John Cross. Shout out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was incredible. Again, guys, um, it's one, uh, it's no different than like being in a relationship. When someone does something thoughtful for you, it doesn't matter what it is like it means a lot right and then to just go to the extent you guys went to the quality of it uh, how heartfelt it was guys just don't see they don't see that in this league they don't get that anywhere it doesn't happen it doesn't happen even at the clubs who have great fan support it doesn't happen and so i you guys are making a real impact on their lives you really are and it's it's not lost on me that like after the season every agent from every player says they they want to be back badly right like all of that stuff adds up so much into them wanting to be here so again awesome well done please don't stop because i know <laughs> the guys love it and uh thank you cool yeah much yeah. love man we we love you guys yeah we do and you know what yeah. else we love personally i every time i just <gasps> every time i see you wearing our scarf and it's every yeah. game oh so thank you so much for yeah. that oh yeah that's so i have a um i have to i stole it from him i have to admit Somewhere. something oh no um the other day i was having coffee here in north county where i live and uh there was a little girl with her mom there and she got all excited she asked about my hat and she got all excited and she like walked she's like 10 years old she walked over to my car and gave me a hug um she's actually a special needs girl and she was like just so sweet and so excited and she walked to my car and gave me a hug and my scarf was sitting there in the back and i didn't i just like i had to give it to her so i'm gonna need another scarf guys but it went that to uh it went to a good so loving, good human, loving being. human being I got so, you, bro. So, I, okay. I got, I got the bangs <laughs> yeah. on. That's okay, awesome. I was say, you can just new, have this one. I got made a new fan. That's awesome. Thank you for doing yeah. that. That's yeah. that's what it's about. Next like, I mean, that's what yeah. the scarves are about, right? So that means a lot. That is amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. So before awesome. we move on, did, did you get those shoes? Did you get those shoes? Oh no, I don't know where they. I don't know yeah. where they are. Andrew got oh, one. I wonder if they're in the. No, no. I wonder if they're in the office. I forgot to ask. Shoot. Those, oh, yeah. how sick are those shoes? Tomorrow. How about that? We'll expect an update. They look good. I'll get it out. Those shoes are amazing, dude. We need some replicas. We need some replicas. Andrew asked for some shoes <laughs> for Landon and him. Uh, they're a custom Adidas. Uh, I believe they're just Sambas. Or are they something else? No, yeah, they're, no, they're yeah. Adidas. Who made yeah. them, guys? Who made them? Oh, man. Now I have to look it up. We'll go back. Go to look. Drew. Drew. An Instagram artist, like a shoe artist. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't he painted? All custom. Yeah. I think he's from Ohio. Something like that? I don't know. Beats yeah. me, but yeah, it's the East Coast, East of Mississippi stuff. Rivers, East Coast. I'll find it right east now. Of, east yeah. of Arizona yeah. is East Coast. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with you there. Yeah. <laughs> God, where are we so lucky? Like, I mean, you were talking about like players like loving San Diego right away. How lucky are we to have this weather? Except for these last few days that has been like overnighty. I don't know what's going on there, but <sighs> golly, the beach looks beautiful. It's like calling to me. For the past few days, it's just like, ugh. Why wouldn't no, anybody stunning. want to come play here? Hey, let me ask you guys a question. No, this, right. no, no um, this is not that oh, type of question. What, what do you guys want to see from the club and the team next hmm. year? Ooh. Ooh. 
I mean, it's like he's reading our review here. All right, can I be? Can I go first? Can I go first? Yeah. yeah no, so I'm blunt, and I'm sorry. I'm gonna give it to you how I feel it. Landon. Please do. That's how we get better. Okay. No more three five two. No more. No more three five two. We want to see the last couple of games. We want that next season. Yeah, but Jerry, I have to tell you that was a three five two when we have the ball. What? How so? Listen, I'll tell you what. You guys can come to training one day. I'll walk you through it step by step with Nate. We'll show you exactly what we do. Now we're talking. I don't want to put it out there publicly. Okay. But when we build, okay. we build in a three-five-two, and then we defend in a four-four-two. Okay. All right. Okay. Or Maybe a four-three-three. I didn't, three, I didn't catch that, but okay. Yeah, I mean, okay. I would say, I would say more of this, more of the same. I mean, you guys, you, you started strong, obviously, with the um, obviously the first match draw. Maybe could have, should have won that game. Came out post-COVID, did a great job, and then you had a nice big drought there. Signed some good players, so continue on those past couple weeks um but also uphold those the kind of values and you know do 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 what you did in the past couple weeks you know if you hear something say something do something about it um that's that's all we can really ask for you know represent san diego on the field and off the field with your values um that's all i can really ask for and that's that's what i really want you know you can't want anything else so well said. Yep. Thank you. Drew, did you have Drew? a question for you? Tory Green jerseys. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm on that, yeah, too. That's yeah, man. That's the, I think that's, like, the big thing on my list. Like, it's above the header. Everything else is just kind of, like, bullet points. You know me. It's always the detail, weird stuff where I'm like, why, why don't we have, you know, more of the – but, yeah, it's yeah, – otherwise, I think just getting in the stadium, getting people – can we get humans out, you know, and have a yeah, – that would be nice. As we all joke, can you guys create a vaccine? But uh, Loyal has a lot of resources <laughs> to pull in a lot of things. But uh, it stops outside of soccer and community, I think, a little bit. Uh, but you guys do amaze us with what you're able to pull off all the time. So you make, you make it feel like a world big club. So we do appreciate that. And so more of that, just kind of ways to feel – San Diego, but also feel connected to the world because I think that's what we've all really enjoyed about, you know, going uh, offline or online, you know, but kind of offline in terms of the humanity part of it. Uh, it hasn't felt that way. It's felt like we've connected with a bigger community as well, which is nice. And then being able to kind of tie that into a human community uh, in human, you know, in person will be awesome. So, yeah, cool. Tory Green, let's let's paint the town Tory Green. <laughs> I'm on it. Are we ready to jump into some questions from the viewing audience you guys good let's do it deal we are jerry hit it okay awesome Uh, i'm gonna go way back uh and try to get some of these questions that were asked right at the beginning uh one of them and this is really important actually two balls on a mic says what does landon think about our fan media podcast family that came out of the first san diego loyal season i don't know if you know this landon but there is quite a few podcasts going on now for san diego do you listen to any of us and what do you think about it um, I listen once in a while. I try to keep myself from getting too caught up. Well, first of all, I don't have time. That's probably honest. smart, though. Don't listen. To <laughs> Second of all, <laughs> uh, I do follow along though via mostly via Twitter. I follow along and and stay updated. Um, but it's pretty remarkable. Like I said in the beginning, what you guys have been through in this city year after year after year after year after year you finally get your club here and then it 
stops after one game. Um, I just want to take a moment to say thank you to everybody who participated also in that Rady challenge that we had. I think it was in May. Yeah. There was like there was like this unifying um, San Diego pride around doing something because we all like felt hopeless in that moment. We couldn't play. We couldn't watch. We couldn't support. We couldn't yell. We couldn't make TIFOs. Couldn't do anything. And so everybody like just wanted to contribute and be part of it and it's been really like really incredible to see that the social media following the podcasts um to see all you guys continue to support us even though you couldn't be there in person so we are quite lucky like i know this can sound kind of like hyperbole and but we are really lucky like our players guys they really get it they really understand how lucky they are i promise you um at the end of the season almost to a man they say i've never been a part of a club like this they say that and you guys are a big part of that so thank you we appreciate that so much man it really do wow thank me yep all right let's see here what else we got Oh, man, there's so many. We had some good oh. questions about the scarf as well as fashion. Uh, who is the most fashionable person on the team? Obviously, you've got an eye for fashion yourself on the <laughs> sidelines, looking <laughs> Guardiola uh, yourself there. Um, as, uh, as Darren likes to uh, go ad nauseum about. But, uh, yeah, who, who on the team do you think is the most fashionable oh, generally? Who it is, did seem like a fashionable who group of guys. That? Oh, who's the best player the on the squad? Yeah. There it is. It's Marissa. There we go. Who's uh, the best dressed player? Marissa, of course. Perfect. Yeah. All right, so let me give you guys a story first. So the first game of the season, I don't even remember, I wore, um, I don't know if they were like really dark jeans and I wore this, like I went out and bought this like really nice sweater, nice yeah. jacket. Um, so I get a call like two days later. And meanwhile, on the other sideline is Winalda, who's in like some like stained khakis and a beat up Las Vegas lights, like wrinkled polo, yeah. right? <laughs> So I get a call from the league two days later, and this guy says, Landon, um, you violated the dress code. What? I'm like, what? what are you I just spent like a thousand plus dollars on this outfit, right? Like literally went out and just like spent this it's just stupid money. I never buy clothes, ever. And yeah, he's yeah. like, you violated the dress code. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, you didn't have a collared shirt and you were wearing jeans. And I'm like, I said to him, I said, listen, man, please don't take this as like an egotistical comment. But I promise you the outfit I bought for this game like cost more than probably every other outfit you saw on the sidelines in the league tonight. Like, give me a break, man. Like, please <laughs> calm down. Like, I just like, so anyway, to your point, maybe it was fashionable, but I broke the rules. I'm just glad I didn't get fired. I like it. Oh, my God. Hey, man. But I mean, these guys are wearing like beat up polos. I'm like, don't we want to look fashionable? Like, isn't that good for our league to have like coaches yeah. dress nicely and like that's good, right? Anyway, the yeah. Bill Belichick where they're All just right. skirting the rules with yeah. like cut off polos, <laughs> exactly. like exactly. wild thing, and uh, yeah, yeah. So most fashionable. Uh, I'm gonna get killed for this by the guys. Um, <laughs> let me think of some. Charlie Adams has some very good style. Um. Who else? Uh, Austin actually has good style. That's what I was that? thinking of. Yep. Austin Guerrero. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, he's kind of yeah, he's kind of uh, loudmouth. I could see that kind of flashy. Yeah, uh, no, he's yeah. got some he's got some style. Yeah. Um, now I'm trying to think of the worst. Um, <laughs> uh, we didn't, we didn't ask that, but go ahead. <laughs> I know, but I want to think about who was the worst. Um, actually, Colin sometimes just had some shocking outfits. <laughs> just shocking. <laughs> um, who else? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I think that's probably it. That's hilarious. Yeah. All right, let's keep it going here. Lara. It's always the funniest. Lara, yeah. Has a question. Sorry, Lara Sakov. She says, "What is one player who you would love to keep next year, but not sure you'll be able to?" Mm. Uh, that's a great question. Um, there's a couple, probably Rubio and Guido. Yeah. Um, I don't know what will happen with Guido. LAFC have an option on him, so that's a tricky one. Rubio. I think everyone can tell deserves to and should be playing at a higher level, right? And so the yeah. human side of me and the side that cares about him, I've known him a long time, wants him to move on. So I've already, I've asked a bunch of MLS teams to look into him because I want to do the right thing by him. Uh, but we would love to have him. I mean, he's a, he's a game changer for us. So um, those are two guys that will be difficult to keep. John Kempen's another one. I don't know what will happen because of, uh, his situation with Columbus, but but those three for sure we would love to have. So can I ask how how they like their time? Here? I mean, not John. I mean, John too, but their limited time here. Yeah, I mean, you yeah, I mean the season, and you know they only got to play a few games, and obviously Guido, Barry, Ruby, and they made huge impacts. Did they like their yeah. time here? I mean, it was like such yeah. a, it had to be such like drinking from the fires for them to get on board with the tactics and the club and the guys and getting on the field and the yeah know, all yeah. that stuff, but. No, but they they handled it so well. Yeah, honestly, so well. And I I can only take them at face value, right? So I hear what they say when I'm around or to me. Um, You know, sometimes you think, okay, are they just BSing me? Are they telling me what I want to hear? But then I talk to other guys and what they say to other guys or how they speak to their agent. Like you can just tell. These and you know Rubio's played for the national team. He's played on big clubs. Guido's been at LAFC, right? Mm-hmm. So when they make comments like, "I've never enjoyed playing this much. Um, this is the happiest I've been in years. Uh, I just love being around this team." That I think is pretty genuine, right? Like Guido hadn't played a soccer game in probably eighteen months, and I could just see the joy come out of his face again every day you know he's a very quiet laid-back guy but like you look at him in the meeting room and he's just like so intent just watching and taking everything in and trying to improve and um just a joy like honestly a joy to be around and it's really hard to come into a group midway through the season with that kind of pressure on when you're counted on to score goals and do well same with miguel uh, and they just did it. I mean, they loved it here. It's the only reason we have any remote chance of keeping guys like that because normally guys like that have they wouldn't stick around, right? They're not going to stick around at, at uh, in the second division. They want to move up, and they should. Um, yeah. But they're considering, you know, like the alternative is: do you want to be the twenty fifth guy on an MLS roster or a league MX roster? Or do you want to play and have fun and enjoy life? Right. And uh, I think they're seriously considering it. Yeah, with uh, Guido, I. First and foremost, I'm an LAFC fan, um, and I have to throw that out there because I was following him, and he was hurt for a while, right? There was a whole season where he was under contract with LAFC, not able to play, and you could just see it. This guy had so much potential, but he, I mean, 
LAFC is stacked to in, in that position. Like, it's very difficult for him to break into the starting 11. And the fact that he came over here, first of all, made me extremely happy. And then seeing what he did, it was like we needed somebody similar to, like, uh, Atuesta with LAFC. And that's who we got here at Loyal. And so I, I can see that happening, man. It's, it's just... I hope, you know, we, I think all of us hope that some of these players can hang around. And if they're not going to be given minutes, why not give them some minutes and come and play here? So, um, yeah, yeah, that's exciting. It's stuff. a good alternative. Well, well, you know, for them. And at the end, I experienced this early in my career. So when I was 17, I went to Bayer Leverkusen and great club, great training. Who? Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was really enjoyable in that way, but I just wanted to play soccer. Like, I wasn't there to train. You're not a soccer trainer. You're a soccer player, right? You're not a soccer practicer. You're a soccer player. So I I realize people are ambitious and they want to play at the highest level. But in the end, the most important thing, not only for your career, but just for your life, is to play soccer. You want to be playing games. And so I, I... I don't say that because I, I want them here selfishly. It's just the reality. So if they go somewhere else and play, that's fine. But just want them to play because that's the most important thing. Yeah, awesome. All right, we have another one. This is a really good one from SDSU Alum 91. What's up? We caught a baby. Who's that? This is Raven. Hi, Raven. Your daughter? Yeah, here we go. Yeah. Uh, hi. Oh, hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> what are your top three priorities going into next season? Hi, baby. Um, top three priorities. Very good question. Uh, number one is probably try to retain those guys we talked about. I think that has to be number one. Um, number two is keep this the core group of guys together. Uh, and continue to build on what we were doing at the end of the year. And that's going to be really tough because we don't know when we're going to play yet. Right. So we might, we might end up playing a little later next year. We might end up starting a little later next year. Uh, so if you think about October through even through March would be, you know, five or six months. Um, so that's a long time. So how do you keep them engaged and understanding of everything so that, when we have the first day of preseason, like we are flying and ready to go. And so that's that's going to be the second priority. And then third is just strength. Well, I wouldn't say necessarily only third, but third is also strengthening the roster, right? And so that we have the ability to bring in like real quality players who are difference makers. And that's what we're working on now. Um, almost every day. So are you already in talks with some players, some new players? We are. We've actually already agreed to terms with uh, really? a few new players. And the the um, the strategy for us is go after the guys you want, yeah. right? Like, don't wait. So the guys we want, we've gone after, and we've gone after hard. And in every case, um, we've gotten them. We've gotten the guys we wanted. Uh, and then just wait, right? Just wait and see what happens. And there may be one or two who fall in our lap at the end, right? Guys like um, some of the guys we had at the end, they may they may end up falling in your lap because they, they want to play. They're not going to play somewhere else. And, um, and then you can get a player at the end that can really help you. The last piece is next year we will have 
at least two uh, young players from San Diego on our roster. So we have been out already now scouting all the youth clubs, the 15, 16, 17, 18-year-olds. We want guys like that on our roster to help develop and then um, eventually, hopefully, play for this club. That's really important to us. So, so that's another priority in the offseason while we have time to go watch some of these guys. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that, you know, you look at other USL clubs and there's 17-year-old, you know, potential U.S. youth national team, future, you know, U.S. men's national team players that are getting minutes and developing properly. There's, that's a huge stepping stone, and especially with your connect, connection to the national team. Um, that would be amazing. That would, it would be so cool to see that. So yeah, it's a no-brainer for us. So we've got a that's that's a priority for us too. Yeah, we saw Evan Rotundo was training with you guys for a while. Yeah. Now he's in Germany. So I wish cool I start. could take I wish I could take any credit, but the kid's just a stud. So we had nothing to yeah, do cool. with it. <laughs> All right, here's a, another good one. Uh, bringing it back to the first season here. Favorite goal of the season? Oh, wow. As Taylor. I like wow. that question. Well, there were some the, good the f- ones, man. There were some really yeah, good ones. I think season. if you if you go back and watch, the, I don't know, but do we score 20 or so goals, maybe 20-something goals? If you go back and watch, there are probably three or four goals where we have 20, 30, 40, even in some cases, 50 passes. Um, maybe like lose the ball here or there, but get it back right away and then keep going. Uh, the goal against the Galaxy comes to mind. The second goal i believe it's rubio's goal we have the ball in some fashion and keep them pinned in for about three minutes before we score the goal and you know with all due respect to other usl clubs like you just don't see that you don't see that from other clubs and so we are starting to like become really dominant in how we played so that goal stands out for sure there are a couple other goals both goals against vegas when we won two one at home were long stretches um of possession or really good possession from literally from John all the way up to score the goal. Um, yeah. And then the first goal obviously was special for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Uh, we have a really good question from one of our founding fathers here, Daryl. He says, uh, how can the club? Yeah. DB shout out Daryl. We love you. Uh, how can the club and we as supporter groups, Supporters group continue pushing for change with USSF and USL to rid the sport of hate. It's a great question. Yeah. So I learned a lot in the the last two weeks of the season, last week and a half of the season. Um, The reality in our world is that people react to things where there are negative consequences. I wish the world weren't that way, but that's the reality. So the galaxy thing happens, right? We talk about it, you hear about it, um, but it kind of just gets pushed aside and people move on with their life, right? It's no big deal. The game against Phoenix happens, we walk off the field. Now there are real consequences for Phoenix, for the league, for TV, for everybody. And it's like, oh, whoa, whoa, now we have to act, right? And I'm not saying that's the only reason people are acting, but of course, there's it's a big part of it. Right? Like if we had just not said anything, brought it up after the game, it probably would have been the same thing as, as the Galaxy thing, right? Yeah. So in my opinion, I try to think about it from our standpoint. If in the first game next season, someone on our team 
calls another player a derogatory, bigoted, homophobic, homophobic comment, and we didn't do anything about it, what would hurt us, right? So what would hurt me as a coach is points being deducted. What would hurt us as an organization is being fined a lot of money. Yeah. Obviously, having the player suspended or, or their contract cut would hurt us a lot. So in order to do that, if you hurt the club for that kind of behavior, the reality is, is in preseason, the, almost the first meeting I will have with our team next year is, hey, this behavior is not acceptable. Period, end of story. If I see it, you're off the field. If I see it in training, you're off the field. That's how I would react. And I think most coaches would too, because it's the only situation where you'd get points deducted from you. There's nothing else that happens in the game where you would get points deducted from you. Now I have to take it seriously because this is real, right? Now, as a human being, I hope that I would do it anyway, right? I would pull the player off regardless of the consequences. But now you're going to be proactive about it because you have to be. You don't want to lose that. You don't want to get your club fined twenty-five dollars or $50,000. We can't afford that. So in my opinion, that's how, that's how you do it on a local level. Now, as far as, you know, with USSF or FIFA or UEFA or the global game, maybe it's the same thing. You know, how many times have we watched games where a fan or a group of fans are racist towards a player in Spain or Italy or, you know, Eastern Europe or something, and you see the players sort of pleading with the black player, the African-American player to stay on the field. It's okay to stay on the field. Well, guess what? If the player walked off and the club got docked points, I promise you that behavior would change in the stands too because they don't want to hurt their team. Right. Right. Yeah. The fans don't want to hurt their team either. So I think that's the step you have to take. Is it drastic? Yes, of course it's drastic, but you have to make a drastic move to get this out of the sport. Otherwise it just keeps happening. Yeah. And so another question that I had is in your, you know, professional career, which is obviously extensive, both domestic and international, did this happen a lot, you know, on the field? Did you hear stuff like that? And, you know, just as a player in the moment, you know, sure. I never heard the N word used ever. Um, What we used to hear all the time was players calling players gay. Like you heard that all the time, mm. quit, you know, quit being gay or that's gay or, you know, like that term was used all the time. Mm. And then there was a point where it wasn't okay to do that anymore. Right. And I don't actually, I don't know the turning point or the tipping point, but that just, that word just got basically eliminated in a derogatory way. That word got eliminated. So now if you say gay, you're saying it in a way that like, you're just genuinely describing a friend or so, or something about, um, uh, someone who is homosexual, right? And that's just the reality. So, but that word is almost, at least to, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say relatively speaking, because, you know, we live in California, sort of more open and to that, is almost gone. I, I don't see that or hear that anywhere that I go in, in society now. Um, but I think the reality is, is it still happens, right? It still happens. So I, I haven't heard that on the field in a long time. It's why I was so taken aback when I saw it with Elijah with the N-word and then with Colin with, you know, in, in that Jamaican slur being used. It almost, like, I almost couldn't believe it. And actually, ironically, Steve, we were saying the week after Elijah's happened, we were talking 
in the uh, like in the coaches offices and we were saying gosh remember when everyone used to call people gay all the time like we just never see that anymore so how do we how do we get to the point where we don't see the n-word or hear the n-word anymore and then of course it happened with Colin yeah. so that was the irony so I guess you know that's naivety on our part like it is still happening yeah that's crazy yeah yeah it's you know one of the things that I was thinking about in, in regards to all of this um, and something that I kind of carry with me in life is that you have to lean into the uncomfortable to grow. And it well must have been so uncomfortable for all of you guys. Like, I think you mentioned it. You said, we don't, we don't want to have to do this. We don't have to, we don't yeah. want to have to deal with this. And yeah. the fact that you did and you decided, you know what, let's get uncomfortable. That has shown so much growth already that is just, it's beautiful to see. And it proves my life kind of idea of, hey, if you're going to feel uncomfortable, that's a good thing because you're growing, you're becoming better than what you were before you got uncomfortable. So keep doing that. Um, very well said, Jerry. Thank you. Let's, let's move it on. Drew, I think you have a very important question for Landon oh, that yeah. we actually, I can't wait until you ask this. So go for it. Well, we reviewed our review document. We said, okay, there's one thing that stands out here that is just a glaring flag that we've never, you know, brought back up. And people touched on it a little bit during the season, and then we all let it go when you guys started winning games, and nobody really cares when you're scoring goals, right? It's amazing how that goes. <laughs> but why did we never end up with a number ten this season? So, oh, actual in terms of. Yeah, like, why is there not quite a number 10 on the roster yet? Is it because we just didn't feel like anybody really fit that role? Or is it personally for you, it feels like a thing to hand out to the best player on the team, and especially being your number, maybe it means a little more? I don't know. I'm just asking uh, openly either way. Or were you waiting to lace them up? (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not that. Definitely (laughs) the third part of that question. Um, Definitely not the third. Um, I can hear I, the uh, voices in the house as to why. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'll, I, I, I just want to make sure that as we're starting a club, that there are some things that are sacred. And I want to make sure that every time that jersey is pulled on, that it's like really means something to the player, to the club, that it's the right, the right person. Um, and that's it. I mean, that that is it. I want to have some things that really matter. You know, when I went to Everton, when I went, they asked what number I wanted. And I, I saw the numbers and I was like, oh, I saw nine and 13. And I said, 13's fine. And they said, well, we really want you to wear number nine. And I was like, I'm not wearing number nine. That's like, <laughs> at that club, that is like, yeah, an history. Historic You're wearing history. Big oh, yeah. time. And they, they sort of insisted to the point where I was like, the only reason, honestly, I did is because my dad's favorite number is nine. And when he played hockey his whole life, it was nine. And I was like, okay, I guess I will do it. But it was uncomfortable. Honestly, it was uncomfortable. And so I yeah. just want to make sure that that is really special. When I'm gone, like, you know, who knows how long I get to do this. And then when I'm gone, like, I want to make sure that that tradition is carried on, that it's really saved for someone really deserving. That's a great answer. Okay. We're going to have one more question. I'm sorry to everybody that asked. There were some awesome questions in here. Maybe we'll do this again, Landon. What do you say? I would love to. Okay, awesome. Uh, Keeps me away from watching my kids for the night. (laughs) 
Nice. This is why a podcast. We can watch them on here. (laughs) Hi, babe, if you're watching. I love you. (laughs) But we have one more from the audience, and then we'll let you go because we have uh, taken enough of your time. So we appreciate you so much. This one comes from one of our members, uh, Marklin. He asks, are you looking at players with an eye to where the loyal could be in the next three to five years and how this team could grow? Or is it more focused on building the strongest team now? Yeah, great question. Uh, it's both. So I told you about the at least two young kids that we'll have next year um, that we signed to, hopefully ho- signed to academy contracts. Um, but then what I wanted to do, which is kind of counter USL, is sign some players to longer term deals. Guys that you know are going to be part of the furniture for years to come. Um, not guys who are at the end of their career, but guys who are just in their peak performing years. So most teams in the league sign players to a one-year contract, and then they decide if they want to keep them the next year. The problem is come August, September, every player on the roster is anxious and worried about their next step and what's going to be this and what's going to be that. And I don't want that. I want guys who really know that we want them here, and it helps them grow into what we were talking about earlier, which is, people who love the community and want to be part of the community. I want faces that you guys see every year and go, God, I love that guy. Like just love that guy and how much he gives to this club every year. So we want to build around eight, nine, 10 guys like that. And so that's the, you know, it's, can we win next year? Do we want to win next year? Yeah. That is the goal next year is to win and like really win. Um, But also with the young kids and the fact that a lot of these guys will be around for multiple years means we want to win for a long time. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Um, I think we're going to kind of take a quick moment to say thank you uh, for this first season, which was just unprecedented. It was something that we were not expecting, but I think you guys represented San Diego in such a way that it makes us so so damn proud to uh, be a part of this supporter group and a part of the club. You guys are so accessible. That's my favorite word when it comes to ex- uh, expressing what the club is like. It's You guys are accessible. We can ask uh, things of you guys. Clearly, you're on here with us. So it's a huge, huge deal. Um, and just in before we let you go, I just want to say thank you uh, from the bottom of my heart and I know the locals as well for you spending some time with us. I know that you will do this again. And uh, we are really, really looking forward to this coming season. We don't know what it's going to look like yet. I know you don't know what it is going to look like yet, but we are so damn excited because we can tell that you're in it for the long run. And, uh, man, we love you. We love you, dude. Uh, Steve. Yeah. Oh, I Drew, just, no, I I'll, let, I'll let Steve works. go last. Drew, go, Drew. I, I love the way your brain works. I think that your brain has some amazing, uh, you know, concepts that can distill itself into a form. I don't know what to call, maybe like football, football enact soccer plays. I think maybe you could call them soccer plays. I think you're pretty good at coming up with. What what does that even mean, Landon? Soccer plays. have to make more soccer plays we just have to make more soccer plays <laughs> can you please explain that to us real quick what, is, what does it mean i think what you're trying to say is i have a really big forehead and that's why i have a lot of brains <laughs> no, no one said that takes one to know one, one, to know one. <laughs> i appreciate that hey i appreciate you guys and, yeah thank you man um, thank you man. Honestly, honestly anytime just reach out um 
I'm happy to come on and answer questions. We want to be transparent always. There's no point in um, you guys not knowing what's going on. And I'm always happy to answer questions. You know, Warren is, uh, our guys are really happy to. And um, just appreciate you guys, man. Let us know how we can keep making this thing better and better. Yep. And from the bottom of my heart, I mean, I've gotten to know you over the past couple of years through the Soccer City campaign, through, you know, everything. Um, thank you for all your investment in this city. Um, it's not to me. I can tell personally, it's not just about soccer. You, you care. You're a San Diegan now. Um, and you, you care about not only building a soccer club for this community, but building this community in general. And unfortunately, this year kind of dealt us a, a pretty poor hand. But um you guys did the best you could on the field, and I, I just want to say thank you. Um, as a friend, as um, as the president of the locals, like I just want to say thank you for everything you've done, all the hard work you've put in. Um, I couldn't appreciate it more, and I can't wait for next season. I can't wait for this off season um, to continue building and, and kind of see what the next uh, the next year has to bring us. So. Thank I you appreciate so you, man. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate you guys. You guys have a great night. Thank and you. then when you want me back on, when people are not sick of hearing me, uh, let me know. <laughs> Never. No one's ever sick of hearing Never. you. We're going to keep it going for we a little gotta while. just got to get Nate on to get some dirt, and then we'll get you back on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's do that. Let's yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, right, again, guys. thank you for joining us. We'll see you soon. We're going to keep it going, everybody. Let him say, say bye. Bye. Thanks, guys. We'll see you later. That was awesome. For thank you. Thank you to that was cool, though. Thank you to Gaffer Land and Donovan. Yes. God, so much yeah, the Donovan insight. family there. Dude, yeah. everybody. That's yeah. going to do it so, for us. Episode, what is it? Uh, 18? 18. 18. Episode 18 in the books for Mr. Drew Steck and for right. Mr. Steven Brokoff. My name is Jerry Jimenez. That's it. You guys are done. All right. See you guys later. Thank you for hanging out with us. We love you all. Have a great night. See you in episode 19. Goodbye.